This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook. I'm going to talk about something a little bit different, so hopefully uh, we'll have some fun. I'm going to talk about something that people don't talk about enough, which is being thoughtful. Uh, one of my favorite lines that I learned from Lee Steinberg was, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Um, being thoughtful has a lot to do with most of the difficulties that I find people have with making a lot of money, helping a lot of people, and having a lot of fun, which is my mission in life is to teach over a billion people to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. In other words, to be happy. And the problem that we have with it is there's just all of these problems in blending two worlds. And the first world that we're all born into is the world, what I like to call is the speed of light. Um, the speed of light is what determines time. Everybody gets 24 hours of man-made constructive time a day, and yet they don't focus in on the right things because what you should be focusing in on if you want to live in the speed of light is how much activity you have within the context of the 24 hours. And what you do with that activity, to me, results in three different lenses that I see. One is productivity, is how much value are we providing during the 24 hours of man-made constructive time that is based on the speed of light, Accessibility, which I really have tried to make a big part of my life, is how accessible are you to others? How are you sharing that value? If you have all the value in the world and you don't share it with anyone, what good is it? So how accessible are you to others? And even more importantly, how are you accessing what you want? See, most people don't mind giving. In fact, they love to give. Anyone here love to give? Yeah, how many people love to receive? I wish more people could be behind me looking out because what happens when I ask that question is people hesitate or they don't raise their hand at all. Because the bigger problem that people have, everybody can give quite easily. It's actually understanding receiving and that giving and receiving are one. My mom raised me, I grew up poor. Anybody else grow up poor? Good, I feel sorry for the rest of you because nobody can teach you what that's like. Uh, but I grew up poor and my mom would always say, Dave, the more you give, the more you receive. Anybody hear that? Who believes that? Raise your hand. I believe that too. The problem is she didn't teach me rule number one. See, that's rule number two. She didn't teach me rule number one, which says, I can't give what I don't have. Right? My mom was a second grade teacher, worked her ass off, two jobs, packed my dinner into a paper bag, cruised me around Akron, Ohio in a station wagon so she could fill up turnstiles at the 7-Eleven with greeting cards just so we had enough money to eat. And she would give you, as I'm sure a lot of your moms would give you, every goddamn thing she had. You know what the problem was? She didn't have anything. Ton of love. Right? Empowered me and my five siblings all went to the Ivy Leagues, Harvard, Penn, Columbia. But I wish she would have received more. And so what we have to do in the man-made construct of time is use the law right, of productivity and accessibility so that we can have a lens of gratitude. I live by gratitude. Everybody probably knows that that has watched anything that I do. I always say the easiest way to change your life is to say thank you. I promise you if you say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up, It'll change your life. If you can do it for 30 straight days, quantitatively, every aspect of your life will change simply by saying thank you. Now, who here thinks they can say thank you for 30 straight days? Who here believes me, by the way? 
Now, I have studied physics, quantum physics, and metaphysics. I'm part of something called the Transformational Leadership Council with people like John Assaroff and Jack Canfield and Bob Proctor and Mary Morrissey, the world's thought leaders, Deepak Chopra, Oprah Winfrey. All these people believe gratitude's everything. Here's the saddest thing that I found out about gratitude, and it applies to me as well. By tonight, all of you believe gratitude will change your life, and if you say simply thank you, which is free, takes 0.1 seconds to do, by tonight, half of us won't say thank you. Guaranteed. By tomorrow morning, another half of us won't say thank you, and within three days, almost all of us will stop saying thank you, even though I've given you the greatest secret to find the light, the love, and the lessons in everything. It took me nine months. I was on stages already telling people, you want to change your life? Say thank you. It took me nine months before I actually could do it every single day, morning and night. That's how much we resist the truth. Speaking of thoughtfulness, that all exists within the man-made construct of time, right? Activity we get paid for, activity we don't get paid for. Stop saying work. You instantly create resistance and don't say you got to find something that you love to do. You can find the love in that which you do. Understanding the distinction of that, right? I used to, for example, hate to take the trash out. Anybody hate to take the trash out? I hated it. Six kids in my family, for some reason, they always chose me to take the trash out. It was like the worst thing. I would take it out, get angry. I'd throw it. It'd spill on me if there was water in there. It'd cut me if there was glass in there. Then I'd go to college. I'm like, oh, thank God that's over. Meanwhile, I'm the smallest guy in my football fraternity, and guess who they picked to take out the trash? And if you think six kid trash is nasty, try fraternity's trash. Anyway, then I get married and, of course, have three daughters, and guess who takes out the trash? Then I started to actually try to apply what I teach, and I started saying, if I can learn to love to take out the trash, I can learn to love to anything. In fact, I know that there's love and light and lessons in everything. It's whether or not it's worth my time to learn how to love it, to find the light and learn the lesson. It's that simple. If you don't believe me, come with me to the Del Mar Fair. All of us will walk down the food aisle. Half of us will look at a chocolate fried Snicker bar and go, oh, my God. And the other half will go, oh, my God. There's love in that. Now, whether or not it's worth you finding the love, the light, and the lessons in a fried Snicker bar is up to you. And that's when we determine how are we using what? The activity we get paid for, the activity we don't get paid for, the activity we have planned, the activity we don't have planned, and our sleep. All of them most important in the man-made construct of time. You have the same 24 hours of activity that I do. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to be productive, accessible, and gracious with your time? Or are you going to look for what's missing, what you don't have, what you don't want, or what other people want with you with your time? What lenses are you going to wear? Are you going to complain about it in a world of liability, blame, shame, and justification? Why you can't understand why you're asking for crumbs? I'll take Bobby Castro, who is someone I admire, a mentor of mine, probably in his dreams have never dreamed like me that we would make as much money in our lifetime as we do. And it took me years to understand I'm still asking for crumbs. I've limited myself so much, and you're limiting yourself. I don't care where you are, there is a trillion universes with a trillion data points, and you're telling me that a billion dollars is a lot? If Jeff Bezos would have told me 25 years ago, sitting in his garage, selling books out of it, telling me, Dave, invest in my company because I'm going to be the richest man on earth, I would have looked at him, and I'm an optimist. In fact, I'm a toptimist. I look for the light, the love, and the lessons. 
I would have laughed at him. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have been invested in him because I thought he was crazy. See, people will laugh at you, scoff at you, and make fun of you when you believe that you're here to pick up the crumbs. When you start realizing the innate power that you have inherently in your quantum being of what you're connected to and through, you start fighting yourself every day not to limit yourself. You start looking at yourself and saying, hold on a second. I don't want what they want for me. I don't want the things that are missing that I don't want. I don't want the limitations I've set on myself by some pre-described definition or condition or judgment that other people have put on me from the time that I was born. You don't want it. So how does this all work in thoughtfulness? I took a trip to India. I had a 150 developers in India. I had the ego the size of all egos. I'm flying out there and this little medical doctor is sitting next to me. And she looks at me and she says, are you okay? And in my mind at that time in my 30s, I was running Lee Steinberg, had just come off of running the first phone division of Samsung, the first smartphone. Back then they called them convergence devices. I was old, right? You converged a, P a PC, a, a computer with a phone. And so I looked at her in my head, I'm thinking, do you know who the fuck I am? <laughs> am I okay? Are you okay? You're sitting next to me. This is the way my mind worked. In a world of scarcity, of separation, inferiority, superiority, anger, frustration, all of these different things that were just validating what I was by saying, I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? And guess what she saw? What I was interfering with it. Because she looked at me and she said, you have so much light, but you're blocking it. Today, looking back, I understand what she was saying. But at that time, I rolled my eyes and said, this is going to be the longest goddamn trip of my life. She then asked me this question that blew me away. She said, do you meditate? I went on a minute of the Dave Meltzer diatribe of meditate. Are you kidding me? How can I have time to meditate? I'm a goddamn multimillionaire. I run the most notable sports agency in the world. Why would I meditate? I grew up with nothing and I made all this happen. What do I need to sit at home high, broke, sick, on my mom's couch dreaming about a goddamn Ferrari? I know how to go get one. So I said, no, I don't have time to meditate. She said, that's too bad because I can teach you to vibrate faster. Now she lost me completely with that one. I said, I, I gotta apologize, I don't understand what meditation and vibration have in common. She said, well, everything vibrates. She said, the earth, it vibrates the slowest, then plants, then animals, then human, then light, then sound. Sorry, sound, then light, I'm, there goes the physics I learned. Sound, then light, right? Man-made construct of light, 24 hours, we're right here at the speed of light. She said, do you know what moves faster than the speed of light? I said, no. She said, thought. Thought moves faster than the speed of light. You can actually prove that your brain waves moves fast. In fact, I prove it to you right now. Everybody, think about a thousand years ago. Boom. Think about a thousand years from now. Think about it. Oh, boom. Okay, now everybody travel a thousand years ago. Oh, can't do that. So I guess the speed of thought does move faster than the speed of light. Why is that important, I said. She said, for two reasons, because you cannot be aware of that which vibrates, you can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. 
So you need to be thoughtful about everything you do. The activities that you get paid for, the activities you don't get paid for, the activities you have planned, the activities you don't have planned, and even your sleep. Because if you're thoughtful about it, you'll be moving faster than the speed of light. You can bend time. Anybody think they multitask? Raise your hand. But I was talking earlier about someone that has ADHD, which I have. And I said, oh, you have that superpower too? Right, I'm the king of taking weaknesses and making them into strengths. Right, I've surrounded myself with the greatest athletes in the world my entire career. Guys like Trent Shelton have laughed at me all the time when I tell them I played college football. And then we get on an airplane together and I say, look, this weakness right here, who's gonna be comfortable flying the rest of your life? I got no legs, long upper body. You can move any strength. And I decided that ADHD was going to move my thoughtfulness and allow me to be more productive, accessible, and gracious. And yours can too. So I started studying time and studying thought. And I realized that it's humanly impossible to focus in on more than one thing at a time. So how could I multitask? And then I realized the way that we multitask is actually a functionality of the superpower of attention deficit disorder, whatever they call that. It's actually the ability to refocus. The problem is nobody's training our mind that we're built with this like Bo Jackson type strength instead of in our quads, it's in our brains. And so what can we do? So what we can do if we have this ability and we can practice this if you don't have this ability is I can focus in on you, look at Bobby and look at Jen at the same speed of light, but just like you thought about a thousand years ago and a thousand in the future without traveling there, I can now gather enough data from all three of them to do my emails, have a conversation and speak on stage if I had to, which what? Triples the amount of productivity, accessibility and gratitude I have. Quantitatively changing my life. So I practice, practice refocusing. I always have an email, a text or something open, whether I'm giving a presentation, doing coaching, group coaching, live coach. I know Garth's going to fire me now that I'm always doing shit when he's trying to get my help. But I am because I'm gathering enough data from my email to be productive while I'm still listening and thinking, but it's not all at once. It's just the speed in which I'm moving my thoughts, which is faster than the speed of light. How does this change with the currencies? What's a currency, Dave? A currency is an object of energy that you put into the flow to get what you want. The obviously currency of this place that we live, the speed of light place that we live, is money. Money is an object of energy that we put into the flow to get what you want. It will not buy you love or happiness, but it does one thing because it gets what you want. It allows you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, you'll be happy. You'll make more money, help more people, and have more fun. If you shop for the wrong things, the things you don't need to impress people you don't like, you'll end up like I did in my 30s, manifesting and losing everything you have so that you can learn a great lesson to then build it all back the right way with thoughtfulness, with kindness, with the truth. Because she then told me, this is the doctor back in the airplane, she said, do you know what vibrates the fastest? She said, the truth. So I decided that day that I was going to enjoy the consistent, persistent, consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of the truth, my truth, no one else's truth, because that's all I can own. Our truths will always be different, but I will pursue my truth because what I've learned over these years, there's only two types of people, ignorant people and ignorant people. You're right. 
What are the difference between the two types of ignorant people, though? One is an ignorant, arrogant person that thinks they actually know something. And then there's ignorant, humble people that live by rule number six and they don't take themselves so seriously and they are humble enough to say, I don't know what I don't know. And that things could happen tomorrow that will change everything that I taught you today. But that's okay because life is just about lessons. The lessons are gonna keep on coming until you learn them. My favorite thing about lessons is you will forget every goddamn lesson that I taught you on stage, including saying thank you and I'll forget them as well. But we have the power, what? To access those lessons, even lessons that we don't know. How do we know there's a lessons to come? Pain, struggle, mistakes, failures, setbacks. All of these things are propelling us to a future better self because they're indicating as a turn signal, you've got a better place to be, a better situation to be in. It's not a punishment when pain comes into your life. Shift the paradigm of understanding and be thoughtful about the struggles, pains, shortages, voids, and obstacles in your life. Be thoughtful about it and tell yourself, I have something to learn so I'll be in a better place. See. The second currency that doesn't exist on this time frame and zone is faith. I don't care what religion you believe in, what spirituality you have. If money is your God, I don't care as long as you have faith. Faith is the ultimate GPS of life. It is a currency. It's an object of energy that we put into our thoughts to shop for what we want. And if you shop for what you want with the higher speed, you're gonna get it at a higher pace and a higher abundance. And you need to control those three things because the mindset controls the heart set, which dictates the activities you get paid for and the activities you don't get paid for, the activities you have planned, the activities you don't have planned, and your sleep. That's the mind, that's the power of the thoughts that you have and the speed in which we thought with the currency of faith. See, faith is an ultimate GPS. Faith will tell you when you get off at the wrong exit, hey buddy, Here's some pain, struggles, failures, mistakes. Have faith, get back on the road, I'll reroute you to a better place. Right, faith, when you have a flat tire, will say, it's okay, I'm here, you're gonna be better for this. Faith will take you when you're at the donut shop and you're supposed to be at the gym and tell you, it's okay, forgive yourself, we'll give it a try tomorrow. See, faith is the ultimate GPS because not only will it reroute you but it will change your destination for you. So imagine if you're in the car and you're going to your favorite sushi restaurant and it puts you off at the wrong exit or you went off at the wrong exit and it reroutes you and not only does it put you back into the direction of the sushi restaurant, but your GPS says, hold on a second, I got a better restaurant for you. I can't tell you how many people that I coach and help that just don't see this. They're so stuck into some sort of outcome that they've attached their emotions to, their energy emotions, their thoughtfulness to. They've attached it to a certainty, not realizing, stop being an arrogant, ignorant person and be a humble, arrogant person and say, look, yes, the law of gravity applies. That I am exactly where I'm supposed to be at the right way at the perfect time. The law of gravity applies but I have to use, as my friend John Asaroff taught me, the law of Goya. Get off your ass. Get off your ass and do something to go get it and then have faith that you'll end up somewhere better through the law of allowance and attraction. So how do we do it? Five daily practices. These are the five daily practices that I could even make Jeff, Jeff Fenster a millionaire with. I could make Dan Fleischman a multimillionaire with. Five simple daily practices. 
See, the way the conscious continuum works is that your senses suck. The way you see things, hear things, smell things, taste things, and touch things are not valid. They're interpretive. They're based on, off of the thoughtfulness that you give them. So we can't rely on them. So what we needed to do is to completely and consistently input data through those senses until it gets to the thoughtfulness of what we're doing. And so these five daily practices help assist through the conscious, subconscious, and then the programming of your unconscious quantum memory. Your personality traits change, your characteristics change, your obsessions and addictions change. You become a beacon for what you want, not for what other people want, what's missing or what you don't want. It's that simple. So what are they? Number one, know your what. Can't tell you so many times, so many people I'm saying, so what is your timing and risk tolerance? What is your perceived value? What is your bottom line? I don't know. Dave, I want to raise all this money. Well, how much do you want? What do you want? I don't know. How are you going to get there? <laughs> right? Here's what you want. Four things. You want something every day. So you, once you say, I'm taking inventory of what I want every day, you realize radical humility of ignorance, saying that I can change my mind because things change that I have no idea that are going to happen, like the pandemic or some other things that go on that change the entire face of your certainty. So living from ignorant Humility says, every day I'm going to reassess what I want personally, experientially, giving-wise to produce value, and receiving-wise. Once you determine your what, now the easiest way to get your what is to find someone that has it, that's there. That's the ultimate ignorant humility. Like, why well, try to figure out something you can't figure out? If I'm trying to get to Maine, I'm going to ask someone in Maine for directions. And then what I'm going to do is I can travel at night just knowing three feet in front of me where I'm going because somebody's already there and giving me directions. But because we don't want to receive, we also don't want to ask for help because somehow we think not asking for help is humble when it's actually one of the most arrogant things you can do. You are not alone. You are connected to and through the greatest source of love, light, and lessons and everything else in the universe. And to deny that is arrogant. And to say that you can do it yourself is arrogant. And if you go to the richest people in this room, spiritually, physically, mentally, financially, they will tell you, ask for help. I, I wish I did. I do now. The easiest way to get to where you want to be, to know your what, is to know your who. Who can help you and who can you be of service or value to? So you know your what, number one. Know your who, number two. Then you can figure out your how. Right? The how is simple, right? We start studying time and thought and saying, here's the activity I got paid for. Here's the activity I don't get paid for. Here's the things that I value. And we start utilizing our time effectively. I have a 520 rule. Anybody know my 520 rule that works with me? Garth, remember 520 rule? I'll give anybody in the world five minutes on my phone. 20 minutes in a meeting. Anyone in the world want to come to me, to my office, you have 20 minutes, we will schedule it. Anyone that wants to call me, I will give you my cell phone right now. Write it down, 858-688-3294. No text message, I got a text service, you can text me. Call me, if I don't answer, leave me a message saying, hey man, I just want to schedule five minutes with you. Not a problem. Why do I do that? Because I know my how. 
I know my how. I am getting an opportunity in order to effectuate what I want, who I want it from, who I can provide service to, and how am I going to get it done. It's the most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way to use the activity that I have with my mission of what? Empowering over a billion people to make more money, help more people, and have more fun. It's efficient to have them call you instead of trying to search for what I want. Know your what, your who, and your how. I haven't talked about sleep real quickly. My life changed when I realized sleep is an activity and probably the most important activity that I have. So my tomorrow starts today. I have an unwinding routine at 9 p.m. I don't go to sleep. I unwind, so no drugs, no alcohol, no arguments, no negative energy. I only have positive input to put me into a position where my body recovers most efficiently, my mind and my body and my soul receive information with the least amount of experience. I lessen the interference while I sleep, so I have six to eight hours, and I wake up exactly at 4 a.m. almost every day in order to what? Plateau and grow. Most people live their life with the myth of Sisyphus, right? Camus, the stranger, remember? He pushed a boulder to the top of the hill every day just to feel like it's at the bottom of the hill the next day. I promise you, if your tomorrow starts today and you have an unwinding routine and you put your mind, your body, and your soul in a position to receive the gracious download that you're connected to and through, you will plateau and grow. Not only will you be productive, accessible, and gracious, but you'll have a higher baseline every day in which to be your standard to know when you need to adjust. The biggest problem in, in questions I get is I feel stuck. I'm not satisfied. Where's my why? I said, what's your what? Who can help you and who can you help? How are we going to get this done with the activity you have planned, the activity you don't have planned, and your sleep? I have a non-negotiable routine. Why? Because I have a routine, but I learned one thing about faith. If you want God to laugh at you, come up with a really well-developed plan. So I beat God in one respect. I said, fine, you're going to laugh at me every time I got my plan? Then I'm going to have a non-negotiable, adaptable plan for you. So when things get all screwed up, I say, okay, I can't do everything that I have planned, not planned in my sleep. I'm going to, number one, make sure I have a minimum of an hour a day on my health. Number one. I go right to that. All right, you're going to throw my, my in-laws into town? I'm going to get my hour in, non-negotiable. I'm going to get my time with my wife and my 11-year-old son and my three teenage daughters, which I give a minimum of two minutes a day to. I asked for five, they gave me two. I take a minute with my mom every day. You guys didn't notice it? I left here when Mike Tyson was speaking because I have a non-negotiable. My health, because I know if I'm healthy, I get as many wishes a day as I want. And because thoughtfulness moves faster than the speed of light, my wishes are so valuable, but if I'm unhealthy, I only get one wish a day. We all know what that wish is, and some of us have to make that wish every day right now because we didn't make a non-negotiable. I left here and went and saw my mom. I literally just told her four things. I said, Mom, I just came by to tell you, try to do this without crying, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I love you, and I appreciate you, meaning you add so much value to my life. She started to cry. Right. And but that the coolest thing about that is you guys have moms. I've relieved all the interference between my mom. I'm 53 years old. My mom used to make me drive down here from Orange County to fix a screen door. I say, I don't need to go down there. I'll pay Dan Fleischman's guy to do it. No, no, you need to do it because I wasn't. Thank you. I, I wasn't giving her what she needed as a parent, which was to know that I was happy, healthy, that I loved her and appreciated her. You got to know your how. Number four, real quick, we got four minutes, I'm on it, good. All right, 
Number four, one of my favorites. You got to know your now. Now is the affirmation and the confirmation that you know your what, your who, and the how. Those people in here that are the most successful, profitable, passionate about what they do, they get shit done. Some of you are amazed how much people get done. I will tell you, when I met Jordan Belfort, I'm like, oh my goodness, I found someone that can get more done than me in a day. How the hell does he do that? I know he's not using cocaine anymore. Right? How does he get it done? Because he knows his what is who and how. So when he has things come up, he knows how to prioritize what's important to him. Not what's important to other people. Right? What's most efficient, effective, and statistically successful for that day. Not being afraid of being a hypocrite and changing his mind tomorrow, but do your now. 100% of the things you do now get done, period. People that are passionate, purposeful, and profitable get things done. My other favorite statistic is 99% of all statistics are made up. <laughs> Lastly, most importantly, apply your why. Don't go find your why. Apply your why. What does that mean? That you, in order to apply your why, what you've been given from the greatest source of light, love, and lessons, and through and to everyone else, when you're applying your why, you will learn to love and only do the things you have learned to love to do by finding the light, the love, and the lessons in it. By how? One, identifying what triggers your ego. There's people that trigger your ego. There's events that trigger your ego. There's podcasts that trigger your ego. You need to identify is this giving me a need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, angry, frustrated, guilty, resentful? What do those things do? All they're doing is interfering with what you already are. Happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. They're creating the interference. They're taking you in a trajectory far away from where you want to be. Why? Because when you trigger the ego, the primal fears of the ego, the need to feed, fight, flight, and fornicate, what happens when we're in ego-based consciousness? Blood leaves our brain and goes into our body so we can fight, feed, flight, and fornicate. Why is that important? Because most people make the most critical decisions on their life and more divorces are caused because of this when they have no blood in their brain. You're trying to use your higher power of thinking, the thoughtfulness that I'm trying to teach, the thing that connects you to the greatest source of love, light, and lesson that will allow you to live between limitlessness and infinity and stop begging for crumbs, and you're doing it with all the blood in your body? So what do we do? When you have a trigger of the ego, the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, whatever it is, do not resist it. Don't fight against it, you're just wasting your energy. Stop. Breathe through your nose, out through your mouth. Find your central. Get back to neutral, to that baseline that you got in the morning when you're plateauing and growing. And then roll in the right trajectory that you inventoried at the beginning of the day. My what? My who? My how? And get back to now because we know that people that do things now get things done passionately, purposely, and profitably. The difference between successful people and all others is they get stuff done. When you can apply your why to your life and stop, drop, and roll and realize that when your mind, body, and soul are on fire with ego, everybody knows when you're on fire, stop, drop, and roll. I bless all of you. I thank all of you. Please remember to stop, drop, and roll. Thank you so much for being so thoughtful.